All right. So you may have asked this or said this before. We need to grab coffee sometime. And then it never happened. How many of y'all done that before? Like, hey, we need to, we need to grab lunch sometime. You know what would be great if we go get dinner together? We need to do that sometime. And then it just, for whatever reason, it never happens. And, and it's not because you don't like that person probably. It's probably not that. It's just that that was a great idea. And if you're like me, my problem is my brain goes to a completely different place about every second. So once I've said, hey, let's grab coffee sometime, I may not remember I even said that until I see that person. Oh, we were supposed to get coffee, weren't we? I totally forgot about that. That's how my brain works. And and so what I've learned is what i got to do, if I want to do something like that and I really want to get it done, I'll say, hey, we need to grab coffee sometime. Hold on just a second. Let me see. What day I'm free, I bring out the old calendar on the old phone, you know, because this thing rules my life. This is my brain in a pocket. This is my memory. And I go and I find a date and I look at a time and I'm like, hey, are you free this Thursday at 8 a.m.? Oh, me too. Let's do this. I'll write it down in my calendar right now. That, that's the only way I can be sure that if I ever say we need to grab coffee sometime that I actually do grab coffee with someone. Or if you hate coffee, grab lunch or dinner, whatever it might be. So, so here's the thing. We have lots of good intentions, don't we? We have lots of good intentions to connect with people, to do certain things. But the question is whether or not we will actually ever come around to it. And here's what I want us to understand today. I think that that is one of the biggest barriers of life in general. Just in general in life, that's one of our biggest barriers is moving from intentions to immediate action. That's a big barrier. We can think of a lot of things we intend to do. Uh, Sherry and I have been doing a little bit of work in our house. We intended to do that a long time ago. <laughs> we like, you know, one day we need to paint that wall, or one day we need to fix that, or one day we need to actually probably dust that, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And we have these intentions. And we're like, yeah, we sure do, but I ain't doing that right now. I, I, I'm not doing that right now. I'm too tired, or I got this, or I'm kind of busy, or I don't feel like it, or whatever it might be. And then we just don't do it immediately, and therefore it stays an intention, and there's never any immediate action involved. I think that's one of the greatest barriers in life. People intending to, you know, we should go do this together, and they never do. Or we need to do this as a family, and we never do. I need to actually do this at church. You know, I want to ask someone about doing this at church because that might be a way that I could possibly serve, kind of fits my passion. I need to, I need to figure that out. But then we never do. I think one of the greatest barriers in life is moving from intention to immediate action. And the reason I say immediate action is because we don't have any trouble coming up with actions. We just don't do them immediately. We can think of intentions, this is what we ought to do, and we can think of, and this is how we could do it. This is what we ought to do. I can, we need to do that, and then here's an action step, and then here's an action step. And, and we know the actions, we just don't do them immediately. And if we don't do them immediately, we tend to not do them, what, <laughs> at all, <laughs> right? That's how it is. That's just, this isn't even that spiritual, is it? This is just life in general. This is what we do. I can't tell you how many times I've walked by a window and said, I need to clean that window. Well, I want to clean that window. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, I don't want to stop what I'm doing right now and get Windex and paper towels and clean that window now. And every now and then, I notice that window again. I'm one of those guys that I notice cobwebs when I walk through them. 
Like, I don't notice them in general. Like, when they hit my face, oh, that's a, I probably ought to clean that, that doorway, you know, or something. You know, that's me. So it takes a while. I, I don't notice the window needs to be cleaned until the next time I notice it needs to be cleaned. That, you know what I'm saying? This is just a general life experience. We have these intentions, and we don't always follow up with immediate actions. Now, what I have noticed, and this is a whole other sermon, is that we tend to follow up with immediate action on our intentions when it's something we really, really, really care about. Am I right? I've never said, you know what? I should eat food. One day when I get around to it, and I'm like, let's see. I'm going to text my wife and say, skyline at five, please? Question mark, question mark, pretty please? Heart, 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 you know? And yes, we'll do skyline. So we made a plan, and we put it in action, right? That when we're passionate, we care about it. You know, one day I might watch a Kentucky basketball game on TV. I mean, I just, maybe. I'll think about it. Oh, man. I look at the schedule. I set the DVR. I set it for an hour past the time it's supposed to stop because I've been burned by that many times. And that's if I'm planning to watch it live because I never know what's going to happen Something could happen and I have to miss it. So I've got to have it recorded. Because I, so I take immediate action on the things I really, really, really care about. That's kind of a whole other sermon. Because I hope that though that stays in your mind a little bit. Because we tend to immediately act upon the things we have intentions for. When it's something we care about. And, and actually that, that should convict us a little bit. Because there have been some things we've been intending doing. That are probably really important. That we just haven't acted upon yet. And maybe the, the root problem is a passion problem. It's a true caring problem. Our biggest barrier in life is moving from intention to immediate action. And here's what I hope will motivate you. Unfulfilled intentions equals missed blessings. Unfulfilled intentions equals missed blessings. There have been times when I've really understood this. When I finally put into action something I felt like I should do, and when I finally did it, I've literally said these words, if I had only known, I would have done this a long time ago. Have you ever had that thought come to your mind? Like, this person I've been meaning to connect with, and we finally get together and have coffee or have lunch or whatever, and it was such a life-giving conversation. It was such a blessing to get to be with that person. Like, why did I put that off? Why didn't, man, if I'd have known that would have been so awesome, I, I would have entered in that, into that conversation a long time ago. We should have done this a long time ago. I should have done that a long time ago. When we don't fulfill those intentions, we're li literally missing out on blessings that God has for us. We miss out on perhaps a relationship. We miss out on a conversation. We miss out on hearing encouragement from someone else. We miss out on actually being the one that gives encouragement to someone else. The reason I'm harping on this is because of this. Jesus invited you to his table. Today we observe the Lord's Supper. And he didn't just invite you to a religious ceremony here on August 26, 2018. That's not what I'm saying at all. He's invited you to him. You know that? Here's what Jesus said in John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus said these words not long after he did one of the coolest miracles in the Bible. He literally fed 5,000 men and their families using just a boy's lunch. I mean, it's a huge miracle. People were like, I mean, he was super popular after this miracle, right? But not long after he did that miracle, he said these words. He said, if you really want to experience life, you need to eat me and drink me. And when people heard that, they said, that's weird, and I'm out. It literally said that people decided to stop following Jesus after he said those words. I mean, that was a great potluck meal that they had, a great buffet, and all you, literally an all-you-can-eat buffet. That wasn't enough to push them past that weird thing that Jesus said. But as I said before, we have the gift of hindsight. We know who Jesus is. We see him described in, in, in his word, and we know what he did for us. And what he says is so true. He literally is the source of life. And I'm not talking like, yeah, 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 God creates us, and by a miracle, he sustains my heartbeat and my lungs. I'm not just saying that. I'm saying like, you have life abundant because of him. The only chance you have at having real life, life that is, that is actually enjoyable, life that has any, any form of love and joy and peace, the only way that is possible is through Jesus Christ. He is the source of real life, and he's the sustainer of that real life. And some of you in this room, I know some of you better than others. I know your stories, and you're like, uh, yeah, I just want to get up and say, yeah, that's so true, because I, I remember all too well what my life was like before I met Jesus. And before Jesus, there was not real life. I remember even when I, I came to meet Jesus at the age of 15, and just for the first 15 years, you're thinking, man, you couldn't have experienced too much hardship, and that's probably true. But I remember very, very well how aimless and how purposeless I was before I met Jesus. I had zero purpose. He changed me. Man, He is the source of life. He is the giver of life. But here's what I know about Jesus. He will not force himself on you. He will not force feed you. The invitation is open. He wants you to come to him. He said, come to me, come to me, all you labor, and I will give you rest. Come. He says in Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Your hardest and best decision is to come to the table with Jesus and others. That's, that's a statement I want you to walk away with here today. The hardest and the best decision you will ever make is to come to the table with Jesus and others. Now, of course, I'm talking about this figurative table where you make a connection, where Jesus says, come, come, let me in your life. Come eat the bread of life. He's, he's inviting you to do that. That is one of the hardest decisions to make because guess what? You can't see him. So it really takes faith to come to Jesus. It really does. It's a step of faith. It defies logic to put your trust in someone you've never seen and believe that he is real and believe that he has made you and to believe that he has paved the way for you to spend eternity with him. I get that. 
That's why this room isn't packed full in this hour is because this is hard. There are people who are like, I just don't know if I can believe that. I just don't know if I can believe that. I, or I don't believe that. Or actually, I'm against believing that. that, that that's what you'll find all, all across the board. It takes faith. It takes a leap of faith to make that decision to come to Jesus. But boy, once you do, oh my goodness, it is the best decision you will ever make once you've tasted of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It changes you. It sustains you. It doesn't matter what else happens around you in the circumstances of your life. You have sustenance to get you through it because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you, you taste of Jesus and you've come to the table with Jesus and it's made a difference in your life. Now, let me tell you this. Some of you may say, I've done that. I've come to the table with Jesus. I remember doing that once upon a time. Let me ask you this. If you ever had one meal that was so good that you never ate again? <laughs> you ever think about that? You just eat that one meal and that was awesome. That was great. I'm, I get a little worried because so many people's faith story ended with the day they met Jesus and then much happened since then. Jesus says, come to the table, come eat the bread of life daily, moment by moment, every day, continually, keep coming back and coming back. That's how relationships are formed, right? I didn't just meet Sherry one time and, and that was it, and even though we're married, we just don't hang out anymore. No, no, no. I want more time with her. I want more time with her. We need more time with Jesus. We, we need to eat daily of the bread of life that is Jesus Christ. That's what changes you. Come to the table and come back to the table and come back to the table over and over and over and over again. This this past Wednesday night, we had seven students cross over from death to life, committing their life to Jesus Christ. That is an amazing, amazing thing that happened, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. But that ain't the first meal that they're going to have spiritually. They come to the table again. Come back to Jesus again. Wake up in the morning, talk to Jesus. During the day, talk to Jesus. At night, talk to Jesus. Worship Him. Get to know Him. Hang out with Him. But notice I didn't just say, come to the table with Jesus. Those two little words afterwards, and others. This is huge. Anybody sick of hearing me talk about getting together with other people to do life together in small groups? <laughs> if so, I've done my job well, if you're tired of hearing that. It's the truth, though. We were not built to do life alone. We were not built for that at all. I want to I give you a little snapshot of that first church. Man, I, I, this passage has always just inspired me. To say, man, this is what church is supposed to be like. Acts 2, let me read to you verses 42 to 47. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's the church. And he didn't change what the church was supposed to be like after the first century. That's who we are. We gather in the temple courts to worship just as we've done today. But then we walk out these doors coming together with other people in smaller group settings. Breaking bread together. Praying together. Caring for each other. Meeting each other's needs. That's what we do. It's not a new thing. It's what Jesus started And it's what we will do until he comes back. It's what we will do until we're in our heavenly homes. We must do life together. Listen, God created you for a relationship with him and others. Don't ever forget that. That's what you were built for. That's what you were made for. And without it, listen to me. Listen to these words clearly. Without those relationships, you will starve. That's what I'm talking about today. It's not, an, it's to me, I'm hoping you hear the Spirit of God in your heart say, this is not optional. <laughs> it is optional if I want to choose death over life. But if I want life, there's no other option. I must be in relationship with Jesus Christ continually, and I must be in life-giving, accountable relationships with others. That's how I become the disciple that God wants me to be. That's how I become the creation that God wants me to be. That's how I know and discover and experience and fulfill the purpose for which God made me. I cannot know it and I cannot experience it unless I come to the table with Jesus and with others. That's the next step I want you to consider taking this morning. We give you a next step every time we come together. A couple I want you to think of is this, simply this. Come to the table with Jesus. And for some of you, that might be for the first time. Have you committed your life to Jesus yet? Have you taken that leap of faith we talked about? If not, come to the table today. How do you do that? Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says, whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Man, all you have to do is take a step of faith and ask, and Jesus will come into your life forever. Have you come to the table? He's standing at the door knocking and wishes to come and eat with you. But he will not force himself in. you got to let him in. Have you let him in? And if you have let him in, this isn't a one-time deal. Maybe what you needed to hear was, oh, I've not been eating of the bread of life very much lately. I need to keep going back to the table with Jesus over and over, multiple times a day, every day. That's what you've been missing, a relationship, a real relationship, a real walk with Jesus every day of your life. And then finally, I can't, I can't close this in prayer and 
without saying this is the next step. Come to the table with others. You know what I think is beautiful? Is that everybody gets the same invitation. We all got the same invitation from Jesus. Isn't that cool to think about? There's like a reservation with your name on it at his table. And it's, it's like... There's no, like, seats of honor. There's no, like, you know, special, like, oh, this is where I want you to sit. This is where I want you to sit. Man, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. He died for each and every one of us the same death. All of us are equally unworthy of the grace and mercy that was made possible through that death on the cross. And all of us get to attain life the same way by simply Coming to the table with Jesus. It's the same path for each of us. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what's on in your past, how clean or dirty it might be. We all got the same invitation. So what's cool to me is what it really looks like to be disciples of Jesus Christ. What it really looks like to be the church is we all gather at the table together and, and we look at each other and say, <laughs> We don't deserve to be here. <laughs> How dare us even be here? But what Jesus has done for us is so awesome. It's a humbling thing to come together as equal table reservations in the presence of Jesus forever. Man, it's a glorious place. But the choice is yours. The reservation's been made, but it's up to you to show up. Come to the table today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for reminding us of what you have done for us and how it can change us if we just let you in and let others in. And Lord, maybe someone in this room today has never placed their trust in you. They've never committed their life to you. Maybe today is their day of salvation. May they call upon your name right now and say, Jesus, save me. Come into my life right now. I need you. I need the bread of life. And Lord, if someone's praying that prayer right now where they're sitting, help them to know that their life has just been transformed forever. Father, for those of us who have done that already, we needed to hear that we can't live on just one meal. We got to keep coming back to the table. Lord, help us to come back to you day by day, relying on you day by day, moment by moment. And Lord, if we're doing this alone, Lord, convict our hearts to realize we've got to do life with other people. Maybe someone's next step in this room is to say, well, I'm going to be here at five. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, move us to take whatever next step you've called us to take right now. I ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.